0: Heidi Matthews On Demand, the podcast that's R-rated, but with plausible deniability. HMOD is a barely legal podcast about sex, culture, politics, and legal regulation, hosted by me, Osgood Hall Law School professor, Heidi Matthews, and produced by David Slavik. In this episode, David and I chat with video game enthusiast and expert, Alfie Bound. Alfie is a lecturer in media at Royal Holloway University, London and author of The PlayStation Dream World, published by Polity in 2017. David and I are particularly excited about this interview because it asks difficult questions about the relationship between video games themselves and also online gamer culture when it comes to alt-right extremism, including the terrorist attack recently in Christchurch, New Zealand. I, in particular, learn a lot about online culture, including who PewDiePie is. And Alfie is very generous in his analysis. I think it makes sense to listen to him explain the situation for both for for people who are deep into the gaming culture and also those of us who are sort of on the outside looking in. As a result of a conversation we had with Alfie, and those are his words, he actually wrote up his thoughts on the relationship between far-right extremism and the influence of the gaming community in an op-ed that he published on March 25th in Truth Out, which we'll put in the show notes. In the op-ed, Alfie writes, quote, We know that PewDiePie is not directly responsible for the mass shooting, just as we know that games themselves do not cause violence or school shootings. Nevertheless, there is a connection between gaming, far-right extremism, and the, quote, mainstream influencers with whom their jokes and arguments intersect. I, in particular, really appreciated how Alfie gets into the sort of weeds when it comes to the relationship between irony, humour, and really problematic uh, and serious uh, right-wing political affiliations. The interstitial you are about to hear takes the audio from a pretty hilarious tweet in which an egg is walking down the runway, and the tweet itself, was referencing, of course, egg boys egging of Anning's head in Australia, following the Christchurch massacre as a sort of act of resistance. All of that will be available in the show notes as well. Here is David and my conversation with Alfie
1: Bound. Enjoy. Hey, sweet. Let me introduce you to my friend. Her name's Fashion. Fashion, 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 fashion. She's always my plus one. fashion, fashion, fashion. Fashion, fashion. And what been? And what been? Her name's fashion. 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 And what been? And what been? Fashion, it's just not too time for you. Like today days the end of
0: Part of your argument in the book is that video games have transformed what it is to be a person in the last 20 years and specifically uh, how political ideology functions in society. And so in light of the recent uh, massacre in Christchurch, New Zealand, uh, where this Brenton Tarrant went uh, on a rampage in two separate mosques um, and uh, various corners of the Internet have attempted to sort of link what he said and did uh, during the massacre, and also in the in his um, manifesto, um, and then also the way that the shooting itself was sort of broadcast as a as a um, interactive sort of viewer event on the internet. Uh, people are were wanting to make this link now between alt right violence um, and sort of gaming and internet subculture, and so so that's why we have. So um so I w- just to start off I so my cards on the table for everyone. I've I i do not game. <laughs> Minesweeper, the, the three of us have determined is not even a game that's still available, even though I pretend to do it sometimes. so you, I've never played <laughs> Thanks damn it. You're older than me. I've never played Candy Crush in my life. Uh so I'm I apologize, Alfie. I'm a, you know a, the worst possible interlocutor you could have from that perspective, but I'm hoping that some of my listeners also don't know, and so we could just kind of start really at a at a basic level. What I mean, what do you when you talk about gamer culture? I want to know what you mean by that, but I also want to know why it's important for those of us who may not have thought of ourselves as part of gamer culture.
2: Mm all right well you know thanks for having me on and it's lovely to chat about it um i yeah i i um i think um like i mean it's absolutely right that you know if you haven't played games then you still need to kind of think about these things and i guess my my disclaimer to people because i guess a lot of what i'm probably going to be saying here is gonna sound very fairly negative about video games and that's really not where i'm coming from and uh, I I've, I've been a gamer a really avid gamer of basically everything since age sort of 7 so I've I've done you know nearly 30 years of gaming and um you know very passionate about gaming and I love gaming nevertheless you know over the last few years I think what I've basically done is is tried to is become quite concerned about uh, some aspects of gamer communities, as you say. And, you know, I think it's it's absolutely relevant, regardless of whether you played Candy Crush or whether the last thing you did was a little bit of mind-sweeping in Windows 95 or, or whatever it was. You know, like with uh, like with Hollywood movies, you know, if you if you didn't watch Hollywood movies in the 60s and 70s, that didn't mean you are exempt from the influences and impacts of Hollywood movies on wider kind of social and political culture. You, you would have still been part of this kind of transformation had you been kind of living at that time. Uh, the same thing is true of games today. So this is like something for everyone to think about. It's not something you can kind of opt out of saying, well, it doesn't apply to me because I don't game. Um, uh, but, you know, so to, to kind of think about your, your question, you know, uh, I think what's in, what's really what really I've done in a nutshell is um, think about the connection between alt-right violence, misogyny and The history of video games, and I think you know, there's a lot of things I've done and said in in the time of working on that, which I kind of think were fairly naive, and which I've kind of learned from. But I think where I I still you know stick to my my early conviction is that I was kind of brave enough to say that the games themselves have something to do with this. Whereas basically everyone wants to believe that video games are still good, but some people misread them, misunderstand them uh, and take them the wrong way. Whereas I think I was kind of brave enough to say, well, there's actually some really interesting connections between kind of alt-right misogyny, online subcultures, meme cultures, you know, Chan board cultures, image board cultures and video games. And the video games themselves have a role to play in the development of those cultures. And that that kind of argument has obviously, as you can imagine, got me kind of into a lot of trouble with both the kind of far right and with the kind of, you know, liberal Twitterati and and people like that. Um, But I still think it's quite an important thing to investigate this kind of connection between these these kind of communities and video games.
0: Great. So you're uh, just my kind of person if both the left and the right uh, have a problem with some of the things you have to say. (laughs) So can you... So um, I think part of uh, your argument uh, revolves around the idea, um, and I'm taking this from an interview that you did published uh, in the Los Angeles Review of Books, and we'll put links to all this in the show notes. But you talk about um, this idea of a new subjectivity, and this idea like that that the gamer um, is yeah presents its new subjectivity, and I know that methodologically. You bring in psychoanalysis, but also because you're quite um, directly in, you're quite directly interested in talking about political ideology. Um, uh, you also want to make that link. So there's something going on here about a new subjectivity, and then that new subjectivity for you is um, profoundly linked to a, a sort of shift. In the way that political ideologies get rolled out, I'm just wondering if you can put a little bit of meat on the bones mm. of that, or or offer some an example of what you mean.
2: Yeah, okay. Well, I mean, that's, it's difficult to to kind of say precisely, mm-hmm. and I guess this is what I was trying to hit hit at that, like you know, video games are transformative of how we, we see ourselves, and and I think that this is why I use psychoanalysis in the book is to think about how the ratio between video games and desires and things like that and i think what be- maybe the best way to, to kind of approach this is that this kind of argument and it goes you mentioned the recent horrendous shootings and this in new zealand and this is very interesting that yet again you've got this um you know this this of uh, this person this individual who associates himself with the far right referring to video games he i think he specifically refers to some video games and specifically refers to pewdiepie the yeah. kind of you know, YouTube gamer. Um, And I think this is really, really interesting. And it goes back to this kind of longstanding argument about the relationship between video games and violence, which is kind of essentially a a quite boring argument that people often kind of rehearse, like the question of whether video games uh, cause violence. You know, this has been running since years and years ago. Um, And then the kind of counter argument to that that's usually given is that video games um, actually provide an outlet for Mm -hmm. people's violence and that's been made by some pretty interesting people who i like the, the german philosopher robert Fahler is one of the people who who have made that argument and but i personally think it's an utterly stupid argument because the idea that video games provide an outlet for already existing desires it relies on the idea that these desires are kind of natural and there in the first place that that basically the desire to to go out and you know whatever a video game can we are against allow you to do. It's essentially rape and pillage. You know, the, the, the implication of the argument is that those desires are already there and it's safer for people to play them out in the video game space than it is for them to do it in real life. So it actually prevents people committing violence in real life because they do it in the game. Like, in a really weird way, we're seeing this exact video game debate, which is actually from the 80s. Uh, We're seeing it repeated with sex robots I was just going to mention that. I was just
0: going to say, yeah, (laughs) yeah, no, I was was about, I was like, oh, he's this. Yeah, so uh, you will remember the Van Massacre in Toronto um, in April of 2018. And then afterwards in Toronto, there was... um, Well, this massacre sort of because it was in the name of misogyny, et cetera, sparked a big debate about, uh, you know, the redistribution of sex via mechanical means, namely sex robots. There was a plan in the city of Toronto, where I live, of course, to actually open the world's first sex robot brothel. Oh yeah, I, I I wrote about this, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah and okay. then it subsequently yeah. got shut down for like um, municipal zoning reasons. So obviously a pretext for. Yeah. But but thank you. So I was I was just going to say, yeah. what are the analogs here in it, as well? Because like it's it's a core part of this alt right uh, political sensibility, mm. and misogyny. In other words, is a core part of that orientation. Yeah. So
2: go ahead. And a really core cool feature, and I think you know that what I was. Uh, saying is that you know this this argument yeah it's been repeated it's absolutely connected to this kind of virile male and the argument that's been made about sex robots is, is basically a kind of parallel of what i described just now that like some people think that the problem is with like there's a campaign against sex robots i, I forget the academic who, who heads that but there's an academic who heads something called the campaign against sex robots and they they want sex robots abolished because um they they think that uh, you know men will practice kind of violence on on and domination on the the robot and then that makes them more likely to go and enact it out in the street on women and children out in the street you know and then the other argument some other academics have kind of kicked back against that and said that on the contrary. Um, people are going to commit less uh, attacks on women and children because they can unleash some of those fantasies on the sex part. Now that that's exactly the same as the two arguments about violence and video games, and and they're all wrong because they all kind of presume that there's already a natural desire to um, you know enact these kind of things on violence, and they have to go here or there. Right. Uh, In fact, I prefer the earlier argument, which is that video games cause violence or sex robots cause violence. (laughs) I think it's stupid in some ways, but at least it acknowledges that these pieces of culture play a role in the levels and amounts of, of. of of violence for example in society which obviously they do although in other ways it's kind of stupid to say that people go out and copy these things it's it's obviously far more complex than that so what I thought my starting point with this kind of whole idea of working on video games was to say that okay there's a correlation here there's not a causality um, you know, it's not that video games cause violence. It's not that video games cause people to be right wing. Uh, but there is a correlation which is more complicated than that and worth investigating. And this is exactly what happened with recently, with this shooting with PewDiePie. PewDiePie issued this statement on Twitter saying, oh, my gosh, I'm so... Can we just stop I, for a know, second so and tell people? Because
0: I just discovered, like, this weekend, <laughs> <you> PewDiePie.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it was funny. She was right, like, right. is this okay, a well, PewDiePie? Is a... PewDiePie?
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, so who's, who's PewDiePie?
2: Well, he's the the biggest self-made YouTube star in, in history. Uh, so, he made me look really, really <YouTube>. intelligent. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but I mean, okay, well, I mean, I, I guess most people, I mean, he had the biggest YouTube channel uh, until very recently. I, I believe that a corporate's... Uh, funded channel has recently overtook him i'm forgetting which it is but for for a very long time he was the, the most subscribed and the most viewed youtuber and he just but he, he began as a um a play a, a playthrough uh, gamer so he, you know that he would show a video game which he was playing and a small box in the corner showing his face where he would react to the experience of playing the game so he's really embedded in gamer communities and um, you know the, the shooter, as you mentioned, as we, we said, he, he he quoted or or said that PewDiePie was a kind of bastion of um, white male culture or something, and and that and PewDiePie issues this tweet saying, you know, I am really disappointed to be linked to this guy, and, and it's got already like nearly one million retweets of people saying, and everyone just saying, it's not your fault, it's not your fault, it's not your fault, you know, and okay, it's not PewDiePie's fault, but thinking about this in a causal way like did PewDiePie cause this you know of course it's stupid it's not his fault but there's definitely a correlation there and the the right thing to do is not say oh don't worry you've done nothing wrong it's to say like well actually so what therefore is this kind of strange correlation between gaming alt-right subcultures online and these kinds of horrible terrorist events which we see committed in the name of those things and you know yes one doesn't cause the other but there is something there to be to be investigated and thought about and
0: so what's the the and i know that this is obviously the hardest question and is is going to be the meat of you know your your actual text but but you do talk about the sort of um the intimacy of the gaming experience the sort of emotional Mm. uh, and affective transformation that can happen um, so can you tell us a, a little bit? I mean, and and also me, right? because I don't know what that means. What kind of what kind of transformation takes place in the you know when one is either interacting or watching PewDiePie interact mm, or whatever, mm. or playing games with like other people? Yeah. And yeah. and you've mentioned in some of your writings that you find some of the structures of the games to be kind of rightist in orientation and so how do how does that affective transformation mm. and the the rightist structure if that's if I'm describing it correctly how do those two things work together
2: yeah okay okay that's a lot of questions <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hope I, I hope I can get to some of these things It also relates to the question about subjectivity which you aren't asked before and I still haven't answered but I, I will um but um yeah, immediately, I think the last thing you said is really important that in, in video game studies, which is a kind of academic field, which in my opinion is rather boring, um, but nevertheless, it's there. And uh, it's good that it's there. there there's a very clear cut distinction between what's called narratology, which means study of the narrative, and ludology, which means study of the gameplay, the structure, the algorithm underlying those narratives. And so when I, when I said, um, you know, in a Guardian article or something that, you know, games were, were leaning towards the right wing you know i was thinking of that as the the kind of the kind of structure of these things not and or not on the narrative level so then inevitably get like hundreds of people saying well you know let me give you any 10 examples of left-wing games there's a a couple of articles out there which are like 10 examples of left-wing games that prove alfie bounds a bloody (laughs) moron and it's like (laughs) and all of them's like all of them's like a game which is, like, left-wing on the narrative mm-hmm. level. You know, like, for example, the the key example is a game called Castle Wolfenstein, where it's a first-person shooter running off the same engine as all the other kind of first-person shooters, where you shoot Nazis. <laughs> now, the, the, like, fine, you, you were shooting Arabs before, and now you're shooting Nazis. You know, the story has changed in some way. But the fundamental experience of playing the game remains precisely the same and so that that's just a terrible example of a left-wing game because it's only superficially so it's it's only on this one kind of layer that can be even seen that way and and like to really answer this question i think you have to go like right to the history of video games um which is to kind of acknowledge that games emerge out of a very particular kind of politics which is the post-world war ii american and european market and you know the earliest ever like thing that people call a video game is actually it's got the appealing title cathode ray amusement device (laughs) and it was like created in 1947 it's like a piece of uh electronica where the there's a little light moving across the the game and or moving across a, a kind of glass bar and that essentially represents a shell that's coming towards your country and you have to work out how to divert the shell you know and that is a 1947 kind of pre-gamer technology and then like after that you get a couple of sports sportsy type games like pong and tennis for two but really from the 40s and 50s games emerged as a response to um to world war ii in the first place and then in the 60s they really things like space war Emerged, which is like a 1962 game, and those. This the basically saying the history of video games is so deeply connected to, you know, basically post World War II, the Cold War, and emerged primarily out of our kind of Western European and American cultures, and so the the very structures themselves of video games reach quite far back into a political history. And that political history continues today. And we, we often make the liberal gesture of changing the narrative, of, you know, you know, including a diverse cast of characters, for instance. But the fundamental playability of the games have a much a different history, which we're not actually seeing, which is a much more, you know, algorithm-based history and how these games were actually constructed and how they related to technology and politics, you know, underneath that what you're seeing on the surface. And so I guess I was looking for this kind of, you know, Golden connection, really, between the history of the technology itself and the politics of those kind of far right people who are using it now. But that—that that is probably pushing the argument like too far. Uh, but nevertheless, it, it's worth kind of thinking about That's that. Right. Kind of so,
0: I mean, again, a really uh, you know kindergarten kind of question uh, from Heidi over here. But <laughs> I mean, is it do you, is it fair to say that men sort of uh, a majority? Of these gamers are either um right wing or apolitical in the sense that they're like amenable to being captured or transformed by the right
2: yeah right um that's a really that's that's probably the question that's got me in the most trouble i guess i mean i think (laughs) i'm I'm saying yeah I, i think i think yeah i mean and i think i think one thing I really want to actually want to say I think it's really important is that, that, that the tro- the history a much shorter history the history of trolling is really closely mm-hmm. connected to video games. So, you know, in I mean and these these are like video game t- okay so trolling terms like for example the troll the term troll but also like the idea of lolcow uh I don't know if you've ever visited this horrible no. site lolcow <laughs> or kiwi <laughs> farms things like that so is kind of a, these are doxing right. sites. So it's like um, you, you basically, they publish information about people and, you know, find out where they live and stuff, like find out where some SJW <laughs> trans people live and then just kind of dox them on there, you know, show where they, how awful they are, but also slightly threatening. They kind of show pictures of their house from Google Maps and kind of try to kind of, you know, amass this kind of critical mass of, of threats that's kind of looming over the victim. And that's a kind of more 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 recent, but not that recent form of trolling. And the the title of that lol cow, the idea is, the the kind of alt-right kind of slang here is that they're a a cow who we can milk for laughs, laughs, right? And that has its prehistory in what's called salt mining in video game communities, um, which means, you know, salt mining is mining for tears. So going into games and using the, chat chat scene in games to uh make social justice warriors cry and you know uh take you know if there's any young or you know basically centrists or liberals or lefties on there we can you know make them cry by kind of behaving in a certain way in the game and sending them kind of provocative Uh messages and stuff and the key the key word for this is the griefer um, which is the oldest of the words, which comes from the early nineties games like Counter Strike and a game called Ultima Online, where this culture of griefing developed in, the, in basically the late nineties, where basically people would go in looking for grief. You, you harvest grief, you know, you, you, you go on there and try and give people grief, but also make people cry, harvest their lols, harvest their tears. You know, and this is something which is absolutely central to 4chan, 8 Chan communities and the kind of lol cow communities and Kiwi farms communities that we see today, which were which played a key role in, you know, I think it's not unreasonable to say that those communities played a key role in the Trump election. They created Pepe, for example. Um and so to for me to say that they've got a prehistory or a leak a, a, a joint history with gamer communities, I think is actually really important that people kind of recognize that. Uh, so to answer your question directly, no, not all men who play games. You are said right men. Are they mostly men? Most of them are, but um, okay. they used to be, they used to be, um, you know, now, I think it's now like 40, 43% uh of gamers are women okay. but those figures are difficult because some of those th- these yeah. are a particular set of games i guess where still very misogynistic cultures um you know yeah m- like more women play candy crush for example than play counter-strike um you know but but uh so yeah th- these communities are misogynistic um, i don't think all gamers are right wing or i think a lot but i think a lot of of them are and I think the vast majority are this kind of apolitical groups but then then again the video game boards on 4chan 8chan and on uh, discord which is the video game kind of forum are really volatile and there are plenty of left-wing people on there and I think I've seen that rise in the last couple of years so I'm basically saying there's a long connection between conservatism and games it's just starting to erode, actually, and you're actually seeing a leftist voice developing gaming communities, which I think is brilliant. And uh, yeah, so yes, there's a history of games being right wing or apolitical, but it's about to change. That's great and to hear. Win.
3: Now, I have a. I have, it's really great to hear. Um, <laughs> I wanted to ask you um, about this question: Is it you know one of the things that's come up in the last week, in addition to this terrible shooting, was the idea of meritocracy? And uh, last week we had uh, a great episode uh, called "You Deserve Nothing," where we had a friend of the pod and oh, uh, brilliant writer Cliff Mark on to talk about his article in Aeon. Uh, and one of the things that really struck me when I, you know, thought about video games and meritocracy is that, you know, so much of what video games is is about building things. You collect. You're always like harvesting something, collecting guns, you know, chopping down trees for Mm. wood. Even the most basic games, you're kind of always in sort of a a very nuanced sort of very, you know, metric sort of system. Mm. How how much – one of the things that I've seen on Twitter that someone posted, a friend of the show posted, was the idea that meritocracy and white supremacy are kind of inextricably connected.
1: How does that
3: sort of yeah, like yeah. neoliberal idea of l- leveling up measure up with uh, the idea that yeah, yeah. white cultures is better or, you know, like sort of Western civilization sort of narratives?
2: I mean I I think you're, you've almost you've almost answered the question in your question um, but yeah I mean it's 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 very interesting to connect this kind of renewed attention to the question of meritocracy with gaming communities which are often based on on that I think you know it seems like what you're suggesting is possibly is that you know the, the culture of, of meritocracy could um, could be kind of Fun, if, it, if it is a kind of uh, evil neoliberal myth sold, which I think it, I think it is, uh, then isn't the whole of the video gaming world constructed on that basis? Yeah, I think that that is, and I had
3: never thought that. about it that way because yeah. I've enjoyed a lot of video games. <laughs> um, you know, I've dabbled in the MMORPGs uh, over the time. I think that's the right acronym. And yeah, I've yeah, always yeah, yeah. kind of yeah. liked, you know, from the back in the days when you could do. Civilizations, admire Civilizations, which has got its own problems, you know. It's, kind of, oh, yeah. what, what's the game? it's sort of a imperialism yeah. in large.
2: Mm. i say it's another one of those games where I, I kind of gesture towards where it's like you can choose to play as a communist state, but in order to succeed in the game, you, you have to obey the, the fundamentally yeah, capitalist I, principles. It was interesting
3: because uh, and also in that game, there is a um, real twist towards... Like if you switch to, for these, this is a little inside baseball if you've ever played this game, but it's a pretty addictive game. But if you switch to, they view politics as a technology. Mm -hmm. Essentially, when you integrate a new politics into your, or a new political system into your civilization, you will get boosts just like introducing the internet or introducing the, you know, the printing press. (laughs) Um, But (laughs) that in itself Mm. is a sort of capital city.
2: Yeah. And, and I think what's also super interesting about, I mean, one thing is the meritocracy and the idea of leveling up. The other thing your question gestures towards is concepts of collection and Easter eggs and that, like Easter eggs as a, which in video gaming, Easter eggs are like things you collect, yeah. which are like hidden references. Um, and that's a little bit like leveling up, but you're not actually rewarded in the same kind of way. It's more like you're, you're, you're given uh. kudos on a forum. Uh, for unlocking set, such and such an Easter egg, um, like you know, it might be just that you like you're playing a game and you're playing, say, a first person game. You walk past a wall and there's a poster, and the poster is a reference to something else, which is an influence to the developer of the game. And then you post that on a forum, and you get kudos on the forum for posting it. But you're so not. So it's really great that you get. brought
3: that up because I I think that one of the things I've seen in this manifesto, and I, I've I've read far too much of it to have a good day. Um, but the, there were Easter eggs essentially in the manifesto that led back to sort of gaming mm. culture and some of these memes. Uh, even when he was arrested, he he flashed the, the okay sign, which essentially has come out of the chans as a, um, yeah. at first it was a joke about being a white supremacist sign, and then it was a white supremacist sign. Um, and how much do you think that this, these idea of Easter eggs is, actually helpful for right-wingers because, you know, it is all about secret symbology.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and look, I absolutely think it is. And this is why I, I came down hard on Ready Player One when I wrote about that in The Guardian because, you know, Ready Player One is like the, the, the Hollywood glorification of Easter eggs. It's like Spielberg does a film about Easter eggs, how many hidden e- references can you get? But as you're saying, you know, what is Easter egg really? It's the way Jordan Peterson is able to come across to his – Many of the unknowing people who watch him as a kind of reasonable centrist, while sending specific kind of points of reference to kind of further right communities, so that they also know that he's actually backing them up in the more more centrist kind of more mainstream sphere. You know, so yeah, I mean the the Easter egg itself is a tactic of the right, and it also emerges from video games and. You know, it, it's not that video games are to blame. Again, it's a complicated emergence of different things at the same time. But yeah, I think Easter eggs is is a tactic of the right. You, you, you see that very clearly in someone like Peterson, and and to to just kind of to think of that as a sort of subcultural coolness. You know, oh, I just was really into those comics in the eighties. It's just being blind to the kind of politics of all those kind of forms that's of, so of fascinating communication today so
0: speaking in terms of uh, sort of to try and tie all this together forms a the video game culture its connection to internet subcultures that are on the right and the way that both of those sort of symbiotically produce uh, a certain sort of speech environment right you might so the the idea would be something like mm. I mean, I'm just riffing here, but the idea would be something like the way that we communicate is actually uh, at the way that we politically communicate has actually been changed by two realities. That's something that for whatever reason, the right seems to be doing better. I don't know if the the answer then is to tell the left to do Easter eggs or whatever. I think they'll they'll bracket that question, right? But. Mm. Uh, the idea that we have this new sort of speech and signaling space. And I think, one, a law professor, so I'm always thinking in terms of policy, not because I think that's coming up with a new law answers anything, but because we have to be critical of people who take that approach to these social problems as a kind of knee-jerk reaction and one you know the old argument would be limit video games or access to them or something right like I guess that's the 80s argument that's silly but I was reading a piece today in the conversation that essentially took a kind of hate speech angle right so the and the line that I took away from the conclusion of this piece which is by Greg Barton So he writes, ultimately, we need to address the permissive political environment that allows such hateful extremism to be promulgated so openly. And I thought, oh, fuck, (laughs) there's something really, really missing. There's just something profoundly wrong with that in the sense that, you know, the, the idea that these spaces themselves create Mm. different modalities of communication and we can't limit their existence, right? Like the internet or the, these subcultural spaces that are related to gaming or whatever. And so in other words, there's something kind of insufficient about this for lack of a better word, hate speech angle, right? So the idea that we're just, you know, we don't have strong enough Mm. rules on all of these platforms that, you know, so we didn't take down this Christchurch terrorist video soon enough or whatever right so I don't know I does that mean that's mm. that's not a pointed question it's more of a provocation but I think yeah. if we're thinking as as and anyway I'm reading what you've kind of presented to us today is is talking about a new speech environment and how do we manage um, or how do we come up with a better way of politically mm. thinking through these problems without sort of reverting to the knee-jerk also quite liberal response of, well, we just need to be um, a little bit tougher on hate
2: Yeah, I mean, I just absolutely, I think this is a crucial thing. I, I, I want to be absolutely clear as well that, like, I, I really do not, like, have any respect for those responses either. Like, the idea that we should opt out of gaming or, you know, for, as you say, limit the amount of time people spend in these communities, that is totally the wrong way to go about this. You know, the, the gaming industry, as you probably know, like, uh, it's taken over from the movie industry in 2017 as the, the biggest, it's it's here to stay whether you like it or not. Uh, and the only way for the left to negotiate that space is to be part of it. Um, you know, falling back into these kind of liberal arguments about, you know, what what damage video games do or limit them, you know, it's ridiculous. And, you know, I, I think this is also sort of technology in a much broader sense, like, and maybe this is actually something more similar, more, more that uh, you and I are both... Uh, uh, working on a similar thing in a certain way, art. Although you, you don't do gaming, uh, I'm now doing this kind of study of like uh, technologies of love. So it's it's, in, it's basically surrounding the concept of gamifying love. So I'm looking at like these bizarre things like sex robots, but also like things like t- Trump dot dating and uh, you know the structures of the algorithms of IAC who own the match group so like the structure of tinder and you know what kind of algorithms do these and how how do these websites use data to connect people in the sphere of love and um, you know most people on the left respond exactly as you described with this kind of nostalgic like well you know we need <laughs> to not use those sites we need to have love outside of data we need to go back to when people used to just meet and get on and that was just how people met and that was more pure and so somehow better outside technology and that that is completely the wrong way to think about this like the only way for the left to survive in in the fu- in the kind of political future is to to kind of think about technology as something we can use you know the question is how to build a left-wing dating site and and you you just as an aside you asked before you know should the left use easter eggs it's it's not like that and it's it's a question of like instead of using this model how could we use another model like in in the case of dating you you've seen this site like there's a site like i'm not even 100 percent sure if it's real it's called red yenta (laughs) It's like a dating site for, like, com- commies and socialists, yeah. like people like us. I think, it, I think it's you know, a troll. I think it's probably not real. Yeah, but, uh, but the point is, you know, this this is stupid. And you could also, you could say that Guardian Soulmates yeah. was the kind yeah. of left of Trump.dating. But the, the the real challenge is how to use the data differently. Not how to do what the you know and how to use the technology differently not not how to do yeah. what the right has been doing with it, but how to like actually repurpose it in interesting ways and i I think in you know there's there's a lot of ways in 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 the dating sphere but also in video games, it's really promising as I've kind of tried to say before, I think you're seeing some really interesting left wing involvement in the video game industry on the production side on the journalism side. And on the gamer side, on the community side as well. And and that's really growing. And and that that isn't based on mimicking what the right have been doing with those communities. It's it's just based on it's based on doing its own thing. I, I think that thing, what I like I
3: about what you're saying is that and I say this all the time. I said if there's gonna be a left project or whatever that means, um, moving forward is that there has to be an idea of forward. That this you cannot it cannot be just nostalgia. You can't just say, you know, quote, you know, it can't just be like yeah. Lenin x 666 or whatever on Twitter <laughs> and quote Trotsky all day and then think you're gonna like have a political movement. Because yeah. usually going backwards means a more conservative world. And moving forward is there.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and, and it's really weird, isn't it, that like right now on on it seems like Uh, In both those examples, like the example of gaming and the example of like dating and online relationships, like you're basically seeing it's actually the left who is the one saying, listen, we've got to go backwards to a kind of, I don't know, some kind of, I don't really see very often at all, like somebody saying, actually, this technology Mm. could help us. And uh, I I
3: think if we don't, I think if we don't do that, then we can ensure that our future is defined
2: by the right. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And now I'm an ingon you yeah, sorry call cool. now i was just going to mention a couple of small things which I think are really good examples of that there's like something um you know there's something called Game Workers Unite, which is a like the first ever game workers union I think it's just like. Been made official in the US, and it's going to be made official in Europe like this year. Uh, and I think that's really good. And then there's, um, you know, there's there's people like there's a great thing on Twitter. If you you guys follow this person, she's called Mariam D'Agalvite. She mm-hmm. does Twitter videos called Left Left Up. Um, but her argument is her kind of project is like not to say that video games should like have a strong female lead or something, or that they should like celebrate like working class culture, but that like The actual problem is that the consoles are all made by components and parts which are made in huge factories by underpaid Chinese women. You know, so what we need to do is develop a console or something which is actually not fundamentally produced on the grounds of these kinds of. Patriarchy is exploitation and capitalism. And we could actually do that in gaming. We could produce a console which was actually ethically sourced and make games on that. And that would be a way of kind of attacking it. And then you're also seeing really interesting games, game designers who are playing with politics and, and left wing stuff. And you know, I, I like I said at the beginning, my my disclaimer is like you know, please don't think I'm against games. Like I think this is the most exciting avenue for the left to kind of infiltrate, and we 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 are yeah, it's not it's not hopeless at all. We're we're actually seeing the necessary attention to gaming on the left, and I think it's a kind of
0: well wow, bright great. future. So it, I'm definitely having you back to talk about algorithmic sex. <laughs>
2: Oh yeah, I mean, this is my this is my. I'm now I'm now um writing a book called um, I think it's called uh, Dream Lovers Data and the Gamification of Relationships. It's going to be like sex robots, smart condoms, uh, online dating, uh, virtual realities. A lot, there's a bit of gaming in there because it's like VR. There's a lot of VR dating simulators, VR porn, things like that. I'm I'm like like thinking about how like these kind of technologies kind of infiltrate the realm of love, dating simulators, that kind of stuff, you know. And thinking about, like, studying that. I mean, a, the biggest kind of uh, valentine that, well that I else. ever
3: gave to anyone <laughs> was I wrote Heidi a chatbot. So I think you're on the right podcast.
2: Whoa, that's, <laughs> that's pretty that's pretty awesome.
3: Yes, I did. So wrote, I created you, you a, chatbot a chatbot. Yeah, bot so
2: <laughs> so we hear, we'll like, hear more I, about I this.
3: created a chatbot that was <laughs> called the Heidi Matthews On Demand Mail Discourse Bot. And it was essentially to deal with the commodification of communication, uh, and the way men deal with women online and how they demand their time, their responses Ooh. and their attention. And, um, it was, it's, it's quite a bit of a troll. Uh, <laughs> there are Easter eggs in it, uh, that you will see, uh, <laughs> some of them more personal and more, you know, a little more inside joking than other. And I'll, I'll send you that after the show. I'll post it to the show live.
2: Oh yeah, please do. That's like, yeah, I think absolutely. you can keep this pitch in the podcast. <laughs> the bit where you describe this. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's really <laughs> amazing. And I still use it.
0: So whenever some, you know, some dude on, on Twitter will just uh, respond to randomly or anonymous to me, anonymously to me being like, I, I want your, your opinion on this. I'll just respond with the, the bit.ly to the bot. <laughs> Which invariably triggers rage.
3: <laughs> it's <laughs> I, 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 when you go through it. You it, sometimes you'll. I mean, even I, as I go through it, I will say I see some of my own behavior in there, and I say Oh, I need to be potted. Um, so, no, Alfie, I can't say that this was any less pleasurable. Than I thought it was because it was. I had high expectations, and you exceeded them. Um, we're excited to have you on again.
2: Oh, really? Okay, well, I enjoyed talking about it. It was really fun. I, and I, I feel a bit like just kind of touching something. No, absolutely. And I just,
0: have it, you looked but, at you know,
2: the, can,
0: so I'm, yeah, as you know, I'm obsessed with, I work on consent and sex and all of these questions, especially in light of Me Too, but not only. So have you looked at the consent mm. apps that are being developed?
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, it's kind of a Swedish thing. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it I seems. So. I, I think I'm against. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it seems like really a chance for people yeah. to commit a lot of horrible assaults once they've got also, the, also uh, a consent I can't form signed. What the
3: algorithm does? Like how how quickly do people consent if they you know? Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, Say you're In, checking into a restaurant. Yeah. Do people who check into certain restaurants get laid more often?
2: Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, I mean, that is just mad. Yeah, that would be good stuff to... to no, I think absolutely, all the love I'm, gonna, is I'm another having topic one, actually. for sure, really if, a good you'll,
0: one. if you'll come.
2: <laughs> yeah, and uh, it just occurred to me to, to... Yeah, yeah, of course I will, yeah, yeah. No, it just occurred to me uh, when I was talking about the left-wing stuff in the games, it was good, it was kind of refreshing, that story about um, Alessandra Casia cortez you know, doing that thing with the trans-gaming... Yes, yes. You know, yes. she went on to that. Did you see that story on Twitch? Like, she went... Yeah, she she joined the community. It was on Twitch, bomber guy. Which like a gaming live streaming. Yes, yes, absolutely. And that's the guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just thought that was great. You know, I just think like that was a such a smart move on her part, like to yeah. to just show that she was aware even mm-hmm. of the politics of gamer communities. And that 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 shows like it's a space yeah. that's actually people are fighting over right now. And like when you publish something about video games and politics, you you do get slagged off on 8chan, but but that's actually yeah. I
0: mean, that's the goal. That right? shows it's
2: the right thing <laughs> to be talking amazing. about. Like, otherwise, <laughs> you know, yeah. In a way, uh, And and to to see someone like actually engage with that, I think is good. So you know, I think yeah. I was kind of happy to see her involve herself with that. Yeah. Anyway, uh, it's just something else.
0: Thank you so much.
2: No problem. Fuck you up.